Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Good evening, friends, and welcome to the first Raising Expectations for the year 2023. And we really hope that your Christmas holidays and your New Year holiday and the celebration of the birth of Christ and time with your families and all the things that's meant to be, we hope you had a very, very special season. We missed you, but we're back. Like that old saying is, we're back. So we can't wait to share with you tonight a very, very special guest. And uh, we're going to move right along. So we're in for this and uh, ready to go. So again, I'm Pastor Joe. I know most of you and many of you have already written back and uh, text me during the week. You know about our guest tonight. And we're so thankful you're tuning in. And remember, you can watch it on any of the five major platforms. And also, you can just go to the best one, BBS Radio Television, and you can go onto our website. And on that website, you can bring up our, our programs each week. And you can share any program and this one over and over, all you want to see it. And uh, we hope that it blesses you as it blesses us. So again, thanks for being with us tonight. Dr. Paul Hall is in the floods in California. And uh, where he is there in Lompoc, they have some pretty heavy water and flooding. I think everybody's okay, but the transportation and everything is uh, very bad right now, and his uh, computer and everything is going very poorly. So we may bring him in later, but if we don't, I'm sure he wants to say Happy New Year to all of you also. And also, as we go all the way across the nation now, I'm so glad every week to share with you our wonderful team of very, very special friends. We've got all the way from South Carolina on the border, actually. They're in Georgia, Dalton, Georgia. Uh, right next to South Carolina, we have uh, Dr. Craig Thayer, and we also have his wonderful wife, Stephanie. Stephanie is a health and wellness coach, and she's known all over the place. <clears throat> if you're not feeling healthy, go to that website. She'll get you up and rolling in 2023. will be the best year you've ever seen for your health. And uh, her husband, Dr. Craig, is a is a surgeon, a trauma surgeon, and an author. And we always tell everybody his new book is out. So you start looking, follow through the website. We're going to have all that up for you. His book, Saved, is really, really good. And I've only read parts of it. I can't wait to get the whole book. It's coming. This is a real man, a real doctor, a doctor who ministers from his heart, just like Steph does. And uh, they're people that you're going to want to know. And that's why you write the things you do to me about how thankful you are for all of them. So if we come from the East Coast and we head all the way back to the West to wonderful Central America, the great state of Texas, and there in Texas, that's right, one of our favorite pastors in the world that you're going to meet is Ron Greer. And Ron Greer is there in McKinney, and uh, he's, he works with Man in the Mirror out of, out of Florida, I believe, and he's the counselor that helps men who have been through difficulties in their life 
Find the answers through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the ability to identify with him and to trust in him. And Ron's life is an example of trusting in Christ. Love you, brother, and glad you're here. It's a great time that we're all together, and we'll watch for Paul later. Now, we want to move right on to our show tonight, and uh, we have a, a man who is really renowned in his abilities in, in counseling and helping and nurturing and walking people through difficult times in their life. You probably read, as I shared with you, he's been a psychotherapist in private practice since 1981. For 15 years, he was an instructor of psychology at the University of Texas in Dallas. He also served as the behavioral medicine coordinator for the Baylor Family Practice Residency program that you find there in Garland, Texas, part of Dallas. And for five years, he was an adjunct professor right now, too, at SMU, Southern Methodist University there in Dallas. So uh, he's helped me in my life at times where he's been one of the, the most special men I knew to talk to. And uh, Paul knows all about him, too, because Paul and I have been around a long time, and I've shared a lot about him with Paul. So he has a counseling center there in Dallas, uh, Preston Counseling, and uh, a great ministry that he has going. And uh, most of all, once again, he's someone that you see as a man of great faith. You see and you realize how God works through his life to heal, restore, and give courage and, and um, strength to people when they need it the most. And uh, he's been a blessing in my life. So we'd like to introduce for you tonight, Dr. Harold Duncan from Dallas, Texas. And he's going to be sharing with us. We're going to do a clap around. That's right. We're very high tech. <laughs> a clap around. Thanks. A round of applause. Of the <laughs> but uh, Harold, we, we were talking about uh, 2023 mental health. And we were all kind of praying and sharing as a team here and, and uh, Paul included. And uh, we're just going to let you open up and anything you want to do. And we might have a couple of questions. Just take it from here. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Joe. It, it really is an honor for me to be uh, on your program and with your uh, with your other co-hosts. Uh, actually, the introduction, you read that almost perfectly the way that I that I wrote it for you. So so uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh it, it, it really is fun uh, to, to be here and to be uh, in, in this venue. Uh, so uh, let's see, Stephanie and Craig, y'all are in Georgia? Yep. Well, I, well I, I grew up in East Tennessee. I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I was going to tell, going to tell you a little bit about, I, I grew up in a very conservative uh, Christian uh, tradition. And when I was growing up, uh, I, I learned two things. There were two rules about emotional problems. Now, I was growing up a long time ago. So uh, two, two rules that I learned. Number one is that Christians don't have emotional problems. Okay. Uh, rule number two is when Christians do have emotional problems, see rule number one. <laughs> And so I, I think a lot of people in my generation, at least, can, can appreciate, you know, that that kind of thing that and, and I'm a great believer in and in, uh, in prayer and a great believer in the, the leadership of the of the Holy Spirit and, and all that. And I, I think that um, what I have learned over the years, you know, personally and professionally, is that anytime uh and, you know, I think I think the Lord will never put us into a situation or never lead us into a situation 
without giving us opportunities to to be helped, to be helped by other God-fearing and, and Christian people. And so it's, it really is an honor for me. I, I really do uh, I, 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 a couple of things I do every morning. I, I write in my gratitude diary uh, and I, 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 I pray that God, I prayed this morning, that God would put his his thoughts in my head and his words in my mouth. And, and I think he does that when I'm in my counseling office. And I'm praying that he is doing that uh, this evening as, as well. And so, it, uh, again, it's a, it's a blessing for me to be in touch with the, the, the people that I counsel with uh, on a regular basis. And it's a blessing for me to be uh, here in this program tonight. I, I want to just, you know, start off with a couple of things and, and I'm very, very open to, uh, whatever, um, whatever you all want to say in, in terms of adding to what I'm saying or asking, uh, any questions about what I say. The, the other thing I told Pastor Joe that I will, I will begin with, and, and you all know this, and I suspect that most, if not all, of your viewers and listeners know this as well, uh, is that we have an adversary Mm -hmm. and our adversary is powerful. Now he's not all powerful because his power is limited by him who is all powerful. But, but I think he, uh, he he knows what he's doing. He knows what our weaknesses are. And I, I truly believe that every day our adversary wants to, he wants to devour, he wants to kill, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy, he wants to destroy my influence, he wants to destroy my marriage, he wants to destroy my family. Now he can't do that without my allowing that to happen. But I, have, I think we all need to be especially vigilant because he is uh, he is a powerful adversary and he is uh, he's hungry and he's seeking uh, people to devour. So I, I think it's really helpful for me to keep that in mind. It's also helpful for me to remind uh, my clients, the people who, who seek help from me in my counseling office. So I'm going to pause for just uh, for just a minute. And uh, I did share with Pastor Joe earlier uh, some you know some ideas that I have for uh, having a, a mentally healthy uh, 2023. Some of the things that are very fundamental and and foundational to all of our lives. And so I'd, I'd be glad to, to go into any of those, but I'd also be glad to entertain uh, thoughts and questions uh, and additions to what I have been saying from any of you. Uh. Ladies first. Yeah, there we go, Ron. <laughs> Be on the spot. So, um, that was a good draw. Dr. Duncan, call me Harold, please. Oh, Harold, I, I grew up in California, born and raised, and we moved a year and a half ago to Georgia. We're almost in Tennessee, so we're right below Chattanooga. And I right. think we were moving to the Bible Belt. I didn't understand all that that encompassed. And I have a few really good friends in Knoxville. It's it's definitely a different faith-based culture here. Not good or bad. It's just different than what we came right. from. And um, I I also had similar rule one and two, even though I grew up in California. Like there were 
there weren't really discussions around emotion. And uh, I actually uh, majored in psychology because I had a dysfunctional family and I was trying to figure it out. Right. I think that's how a lot of most, most of us. (laughs) And I, I still didn't get a lot of answers. I still have probably more questions than answers, but um, I love the topic of mental health. And I feel like most of society brushes it to the side and does not want to address it. And I think it's the root or the lack of good mental health is the root of so many of our societal problems. So I really, I don't have a specific question. I would love to hear your thoughts on good mental health. I I saw some of the little bullet points that you might speak to. Good, good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, Stephanie. Um, Yeah, over the years, um, and and this would include the, the years that I've been in therapy myself, and the 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 years that I've spent training and that's part of the teaching that I've done at SMU is in the uh, graduate program in counseling. So gr- training young counselors, uh, I, I believe that one of the most important um, one of the most important concepts or one of the most important foundational things is the whole idea of self-understanding. Um, the, the, you know, the better I know who I am, uh, where I've come from, that includes family of, of origin and what lessons I learned growing up, you know, some very, very positive lessons, but some lessons that were not quite so healthy or, or so positive either. Then the, the better I know myself, then the the better my my individual life is going to be, the better my relationships are going to be, my relationship with my wife and my children and my and my grandchildren, because the 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 better I the better my self understanding, um, I, I think I'll be able to see the temptations when they are coming. I'll be able to recognize my weaknesses better and to avoid. Uh, slipping into those weaknesses, whether they they in, are, are about relationships or, or or any other aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. So self, you know, self understanding is is really pretty much at the top of of my list. Uh, well, well, I'm with for Tank. You good, Tank? Can I jump in? <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, go jump in. I guess, uh, from my perspective, uh, you know, this post-COVID, well, not post-COVID, we're not post yet, but in the midst of it, I just think that um, this this period we've just dealt with the last couple of years have sort of highlighted uh, some issues that were already there. So uh, it's kind of like put them on steroids. Mm-hmm. And I got two, two, two uh, concerns of mine. One is teenagers, and the other is young adults. Um, one of the issues I have with teenagers is the isolation has sort of exasperated all the issues they were already dealing with. My wife's a, my wife's a counselor. I, we have half my family are involved in education and they all are wondering what's going on with the kids because it's, you know, the suicide attempts are higher, the all, cutting, all kinds of things, right? Uh, but one of the things that, that's shocking is how many kids are affected by social media. Mm-hmm. And, my just my experience with the kids that I've sort of uh, worked with and along with, right? I, I in my mind I have this theory that social media does more damage to their their mental health 
than much of anything else in their lives. Uh, there's this 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 sort of a virtual world that's basically their reality, mm-hmm. and it's like the more that time they spend in it, the less time they are connected with, with actual reality. And so you have these issues when, by the time of high school and early college, uh, they can't deal with regular everyday life. Uh, so suicide attempts and suicide contemplation, uh, drug use, uh, sexual madness that goes on with them. I just think a lot of us ends up being talking to kids. It's just a stress and anxiety that they gather, not having any grasp of reality at all. So what, what, what's your take on that? No, I, I could not agree more with, with what you're saying. And I, 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 there, there are several quotes, uh, most of which I can't remember at the moment, but uh, for, for uh, a person. We, we all can relate. <laughs> Especially, especially a younger person who spends so much time on social media and they have the it's, it's like you said, that's that's not reality. There's nothing real about that. But but with younger brains that are still in the process of, of forming, um, then they they have a tendency to believe that that everybody on social media is better than they are. They are prettier. They are healthier. They are having more fun. They are in better relationships. They are, you, you just go through all of the, uh, the, the, the things that we compare our, ourselves with other people. And, and so the, the kids and the young adults too, and the older adults who spend the most time, it, my experience is, and I think there's uh, good research to back this up, spend the most time on, on social media. They come up feeling worse about themselves. They have higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of depression, uh, of stress, uh, and it's, it's, it's more challenging for them. Uh, in in the real world, uh, if they can even distinguish between the real world and the fantasy world that they spend so much time in, so it's a it is a serious serious problem. I think it's a, a serious challenge for parents to to. I mean, you you uh, you probably deal with more. Uh, adolescents or young adults than than I do. A lot of a lot of my clientele are are married people or people who are a little bit older. Um, but uh, I think the challenge is there, and I think a lot of parents uh, either are not aware of the challenges or don't know how to how to handle the challenges. Well, that brings another another question. Uh, this is a tough one. My wife deals with it too. What would be your recommendation for parents when it comes to their kids and their phones and their, uh, well, not many laptops now, but their phones yeah. and their and their their tablets and social media? Yeah, you take take the take the phones away and give them back to them when they're twenty five years old. <laughs> you know, like it. I I know that there are reasons, and I've got I've got two grandsons who are thirteen and twelve. And right. they they have their phones and for communication purposes. But I, I think their parents do a pretty good job of right. limiting and putting those boundaries. And I, I cannot. It's been a long time since I was a, a parent of an <laughs> adolescent. Uh, and, and so I that, the, the world is so, so much different. But I yeah. think parents have got to got to go. I mean, your wife probably has a lot better uh, 
more uh, better some, uh, better suggestions uh, as far as boundaries are concerned. But they yeah. the parent so many parents just kind of I think have given up parents that I'm aware right. and they, and, exactly. and they don't want to make their children or they're upset. Or they don't want them to be mad at them. And uh, so yes. they, they relinquish their, their roles as parents frequently when they don't, um, when they don't set and enforce good yeah. solid boundaries. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll take a moment to brag on my, our oldest son, his, his, his wife, uh, and people still find it hard to believe. So my oldest grandchild, our grandson, who just about 13, just got his own phone last week. And he was proud to text his poppy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can't text him back because his parents, it has to go to his parents' phone and back to his phone. So, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was, I was actually, actually so proud. I thought they would give in long ago, but they haven't. So, but I, I agree with you. I agree. With you. And what, so one other thing on kids. Now, I saw this special once, and I've, I've been trying to find it on YouTube again. Uh, but it was 60 Minutes uh, Australia, I think, I think it was, where this phenomenon of uh, this TikTok tick, oh, that yeah. these uh, teenagers with uh, these weird ticks because of their time spent on TikTok. And recently, uh, there is a, a case here where there's a 14-year-old, and apparently there's a number of kids involved, a 14-year-old. Who's, uh, I guess, um, what do you call him? You can't sleep at all? Insomnia. Insomnia. But she can't sleep for days on end uh, without medication. And her mother swears it's from her hours and hours spent on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, she's had these withdrawals, even. I mean, literally withdrawals, not been able to watch TikTok. So, in any, any, Ideas on that? Is that legitimate or is it just? Uh... Now, one one study that I have read, I, I, there's a lot that I don't know and haven't read about. But but one study is that if you anybody is is having trouble going to sleep at night, you, you should get get away from screens, whether it's your television set or your computer screen or your uh, phone, uh, iPad or whatever, mm-hmm. that there's something about those electronic screens that is stimulating. I don't know really what the science is behind all that, but it, it impedes uh, sleep. Now, mm-hmm. what you're talking about is addiction as well. And that's a, that's a very, very serious problem when it comes to electronics, of course. Uh, but, but I think that uh, one of the things that helps me sleep at night is I'll uh, to try to turn off the, the day and not, uh, but but I I read I read mm. <laughs> read a book uh, in bed and I know it's time for me to go to sleep when the book falls and hits me in the face <laughs> so so that's that's when it's time for me to close the book and uh, and go to sleep but it's you a mean good, actual it's, actual it's a paper way. pages you mean actual yeah paper. yeah 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 oh yeah. okay <laughs> yeah it's really I, weird they still they still make those things yeah. So, well, Ron, I'm actually reading a book right now on emotions and there were, there was a section and it talked about video game addiction, which I would say is the same as TikTok or whatever. And there's a Asian guy that actually died. He played 50 something hours straight and wouldn't do any of, you know, the basic self-care things that you need. 
And so I, I do think there's some truth to it. And I mean, we're like Pavlov's dog over here. You know, it digs at us and we like we look at it. I, I have so many of my alerts turned off yes. for that very reason, because when your phone dings, can you walk away from it? Most people cannot. Right. Yeah. So so speaking of speaking of books, um, there was a. a, a I wish I could remember this guy. He's a former uh, chairman of the psychology department at Stanford. He is chairman emeritus. Maybe somebody can tell me his name. But he wrote a very, uh, very well-known guy. But this is several years ago. He wrote an iBook that was entitled The Demise of Guys. And what it was about was it was about gaming addiction and online pornography addiction. And and he uh, had some really, really scary research that that showed that more and more guys who are addicted to, um, you know, to uh, online gaming and they've got the interactive gaming, of course, all of that now that guys, they're 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 up all night or, or longer. Uh, involved in that, and um, anyway, but he he was talking about how that is damaging an entire generation of young men, and this was even before COVID. And so you you know right. talk about it, all the other damage that's been done in the last two or three years. Then mm-hmm. I think our uh, young people, but especially young men, are are in some serious problems uh, because of these these factors. Yeah, I found the book. It's called The Demise of Guys, Why Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It by Philip Zimbardo. Zimbardo? Zimbardo, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he he was um, and and I I read this, but I mean the book is several years old now. Mm-hmm. But but I think he was kind of on the the cutting edge of uh, this uh, addictive behavior, and he he focuses in that book on those two uh, types of addiction, um, um, the uh, the pornography and the online gaming uh, addiction. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the online thing, the, the gaming thing is. The- as you, you you mentioned there, that it's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, you know, because you know we had the same struggle with our kids growing up. Our kids were never allowed to have a video game. My oldest son was uh, he was getting ready to graduate, and they got one for that Christmas, and they were they, all the neighbors freaked out because the Greers actually have a video game. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. but it, it's but the thing now is uh, I so I have friends that have teenagers. Uh, one example, I when I do my ministry travels, I stay with a number of families and. Two of the families, I, I remember being waking, awakened at about four o'clock in the morning, heard this weird noise, and out in the main area was their teenage son playing Fortnite with like five or six guys around the country. He's got a headset yeah. on at four o'clock in the morning. Now, I know this kid, yeah. I know he worked at a Culver's restaurant uh, for a number of hours. He was tired when he, when he came home because I was still up, and at four o'clock in the morning, he was still doing it, and I, I, it, was, it shocked me. It, well, his parents, uh, once we talk about it the next day, talk about that very thing that you know they've had these conversations, they've had these struggles with him, but every now and then he'll just divide them and he's up and they're asleep and they don't know it. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, and the other, the other, I think, thing here to shock me also was Allen, Texas has a video game team. And I think it was the last year, I think they had the national championships here. 
where I met a kid who made his team split three point some million dollars prize. <laughs> and the guy I'm talking to makes one hundred and ten thousand dollars a year going into homes, coaching kids to play get to gamers. Wow. And I'm going, you know, if there's wow. any chance of stopping it, I think we've lost that. one. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. And what, what other notes that you raised the pornography deal? Uh, here's one that I, I that, that uh, when I started the ministry doing my research and back that uh, that's, you know, you have an inkling of something, but you don't know for sure the facts. Uh, but just when the, we have a number of churches around the country, thousands of them we're associated with. People would be shocked to find out that about 60 percent of people in ministerial staff or pastors struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. Almost, yeah. It's over over 60 percent. Mm-hmm. I heard I, it was 75 percent. Well, it's it's yeah, like well, we can do that. I can show you the numbers. It, Very I, high. I'm generous and being generous. I kind of average it out to be. Yeah, it's about 60 some odd percent. Yeah. 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 It's and I mean, it's it's not a not a not a simple. Well, I look at it once in a while. I mean, it's an actual addiction just among yeah. staff. Well, and then here's yeah. my question. If you're not a believer, if you maybe have a different moral compass, what is the percentage there? Yeah. Right. I would guess it's higher. So it just shows what a real struggle it is. And we talk about this a lot that the age of adolescence, the pediatric, whatever association said it's 24 now for males. And I think some of what we're talking about is contributing to that, right? It's like a failure to drive kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, one of one of the things that um, I'm sorry, Joe, you go ahead. I want to hear what you say. I just had a thought on. Well, go- I was I was just going to say that um, now let's see if I can remember what I was going to say. It was a really, really good thought. <laughs> Come back. It here. was about it was about pornography. Oh, I, yeah, here it is. <laughs> he comes back. He shoots. He scores. Uh, and what? What uh, I, and I had this conversation with clients in my office very, very frequently. These are most of the time. These are adults that may be talking about their children, their adolescents or their young adults. But but this is one thing that that I will always say about pornography. Pornography scares me to death. It just scares me to death because I I recognize how addictive it is, number one. But then I also recognize there's a lot of really good research that that shows us that uh, and many people. I won't say this is true across the board for everyone, but what used to give this person a charge or used to give him a, uh, you know, a high. Uh, then that's not enough. What what used to be is is not enough. So then he needs to go. He feels like he needs to go on to something bigger and badder and stronger. And and that's the uh, you know one of the one of the things that is so scary about this. There is the you, you kind of your brain gets acclimated to certain images or certain types of pornography that at some point are not enough anymore to produce the kind of arousal that you used to experience uh, at the, in the beginning. You guys remember Doc, Dr. Buckingham, our good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Buckingham. He's up for a Nobel Prize. He's a, my regular physician. Takes a good doctor to fix me. But anyway, he was, he's been sharing a while back. He was sharing about um, 
about that very thing. He was saying on the, how do you say it, uh, Tank? He said it gets less and less. Uh, he was talking medically because you were right with him, but less and less. Just what you're saying um, on, on all of this, Harold, the same thing he was saying physiologically, and he's a great believer also. He said it just gets less and less and you seek more and more. And that's why drugs and everything else, we're losing everybody. What's going on? He said, and he was he was saying that on the, on the medical side, just like on the mental side you're sharing. Yeah. That's that the dopamine the rush, I think they call it, something like that. Yeah. 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 Like dopamine. Our systems as we get older just get, there's such a balance of power and all the things that go on in our bloodstream, our body, that, that homeostasis is what it's termed. It becomes more stenotic, meaning more narrow. So you get something out of balance when you're young, it's pretty easy to restore. But as we get older, it doesn't mm-hmm. take much to get us out of balance. And then mm-hmm. too far gone, we're too far gone. Wow. Can I, can I make a confession here? Just When I mentioned pornography, it, it's, it's from my personal uh, experience and struggle as well. Uh, my older uncles, uh, introduced me to the, the the playing cards. The back when I was probably seven, six or seven, eight years old, uh, mm-hmm. and somehow it, it it grabbed me, and it has been a, a struggle in my entire life. It's it's one of those things that I, I have to always be on guard at, at, even to this day. So I never have a phone or a computer without some kind of program on it uh, that there's all accountability. But I, I'm so I'm so Doc. I'm 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 one of those folks who believe that your your brain gets rewired through that. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. Somehow I don't understand it, but I would swear my brain got rewired over those early years, and then later on in my teen yeah. years, and mm-hmm. it just it just kind of something's never been disconnected from that from that point, Ma. Well, we've got yeah, about there's a twenty minutes. Oh, go ahead, Joe. No, I'm going to give you, we've got a good window here. So we'll keep rolling. I just want to let everybody know, keep taking your notes, folks. We've got this much time to go and go right ahead. Harold. Well, let me just, uh, to the point that you just made, Ron, I really appreciate what you, mm-hmm. what you just said. You know, then there's a, I was looking for the verse, second Corinthians 10, five, um, mm-hmm. where, where Paul t- says, take, take hold of every thought. Yes. You know, yes. And I, I just think then that has to do uh, and, you know, just this whole this whole concept of, of uh, neuroplasticity, re, re, rewiring and and retraining and rebooting the brain. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a fairly recent concept, at least in my experience, just mm-hmm. in the last maybe 20 or 25 years. But but there's a there's an exercise that I like to do with my students. Uh, that you all uh, may be aware of. And if you're not, maybe you'll appreciate it. So I'm sitting in class and I will say, okay, now I want all of you students to visualize, get it in your head. I want you to visualize a pink elephant. All right. Now it may be a cartoon pink elephant. It may be a real pink elephant that somebody has, uh, has painted pink. Uh, So now uh, 30 seconds. Have you got that in your mind? Everybody says, yeah, we got it. And now the next instruction is now forget it. <laughs> and you, that's not the way, that's not the way the brain works. You, the more you try to forget something, 
the, the more deeply ingrained. But then, then what I will say is, okay, let's say we're sitting in this classroom and all of a sudden, unbeknownst to any of us, the fire alarm starts going off and we've got these strobe lights that are flashing and we've got this electronic uh, uh, voice that's saying, everybody get away, go to the nearest exit, get out of the building, uh, and so forth and so on. Now, guess what you're not thinking about? You're not thinking about the pink elephant. And, and so the, the concept, one of the things I try to teach my clients and try to practice myself is this whole uh, concept of replacement thoughts. So and this has to do it has to do with anxiety. When I've got, you know, I'm, I'm obsessing about something uh, that I want to get out of my head. How do I get that out of my I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the worst case scenario. I just visited my my financial planner uh, this afternoon. My wife and I really did that. Now <laughs> We got all this stuff in our head and she she kind of goes to the worst case scenario. And so we lost this much. What if we lose more? What if we lose more? I don't like to do that. But uh, so anyway, what I have my clients do is to take a use their phone or use a piece of paper. And I want you to write down five thoughts, five memories, five thoughts that bring a smile to your face. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So you write these things down. The one on the top of my list is we had a family vacation two years ago. Uh, our son and daughter, their spouses and our two grandchildren. And we spent a week in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Oh man, it was just one of the best vacations. Thank the Lord. Everything went well and we did the whitewater thing and we looked for wildlife. Uh, uh, so that's on the top of my list. When I'm, when I'm obsessing about something that I don't want to think about, I will pull out my replacement thoughts list and I'll remember that vacation. To Jackson Hole, and it'll bring a smile to my face. And I'll go through some of the pictures that we took there, and everybody's smiling. <laughs> and so that I think that's one way. That's not the only way, but it's one way to take hold of every thought, just mm -hmm. like we are instructed to uh, in in the Bible. So I'll, I'll leave you with that uh, with that, and see if anybody else uh, can can add to what. What I have said. So I, I think, you know, idle hands, right? I think today's society, now that we're not all farmers that have to get up at a dark 30 and come back exhausted, eat dinner, and crash, that yeah. we spend too much time on our hands. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we find ways to occupy. Yeah. So. Yeah. And one of the, again, at my age, I'm, I've, cut down my my counseling days i just i'm counseling three days a week these days i'm i'm really kind of enjoying it but but then you have to fill in you know some of the time uh and it really is helpful to me to go work out i like to swim for exercise and i walked uh this afternoon and if i'm if i'm disciplined enough uh, i like to read you know but but you're exactly right a lot of a lot of time on our hands and when we don't have uh, healthy practices or healthy habits to fill that time. Uh, it's going to be filled one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't count how many health providers that didn't have an exit plan retire, and then suddenly they're just like going to major depression, yes. get sick, 
I mean, anesthesiologist and has heart disease, needs bypass. It's just like, man, doesn't pay to retire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, uh, just my experience, uh, Tank, is that it's across the board when it got the men in particular, just yeah. across the board. Yeah. It's everybody, they, they think about, dream about, want to retire. Yeah. And they retire. And it's, I, I tell a lot of guys I work with, they're, they're, they're basket cases because, mm-hmm. as you said, way too much time on their hands and they made no plans, had no strategy other than retiring yeah. and have enough money. And, and so to, you know, to just to piggyback on that, um, you know, one of the things I, t- and I counsel with those guys frequently. Uh, a, a I, lot I, of I refer to two, Doc. I refer to two. And two couples. Uh, but we'll talk <laughs> about that later. <laughs> All right. But, but uh, you know, so it, it's about, to me, it's, a, it's an issue of identity. So when, when uh, especially for more, more so for men historically than for women, but women are catching up in, in a lot of categories and all of those are not so, yeah, not so great. But uh, when my identity is completely and totally wrapped up in what I do for a living. And then like you said, uh, Craig, like you, like you said, uh, when I don't do that anymore, then it's, a, it's an identity issue. Uh, who am I really? Yes. And so the time to start really figuring that out is earlier on in life as, as much as possible. You know, what makes me who I am? Uh, I'm, I'm counseling with a guy right now who's a young man. He's in, he's about 40 and he's very successful. He's an attorney. He's a real estate guy and he's he's getting ready to retire. And, not, and guess what? He's coming to see me for counseling because he recognizes that there's a big void uh, in in his life, uh, and and so we're but but where we're going with that is you know, what who is it? What is it that makes you who you really are? What what is it that makes you, regardless of marital status, regardless of whether you have children or grandchildren, regardless of whether you're working or regardless of, of anything else, who are you and what makes you who you are? Um, not always easy questions to address. You know, uh, so here's my question. But given the isolation of COVID, uh, have you seen a greater impact in that area now with given the COVID, uh, I call it the COVID syndrome as well. Have you seen seen a greater greater incidence of the, that kind of depression and? Oh, I'm sorry, I missed I missed the question there, Ron. My my mistake. Oh, so a, a greater greater in, in a greater uh, incidence of what now the identity uh, issues, right. the identity crisis and depression and anxiety over that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's really good research, of course, with especially with depression and and with anxiety. But I think a lot of that is tied up into in the identity issues as well. And so, a person, um, well, let, let me. I, I don't know how much time we've got, Joe. You still got still got six minutes. Take it away. Okay, another hour, right? Those of you, you all know. Uh, uh, Victor Frankl, uh, 
Victor Franco wrote uh, wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. I was fortunate enough years and years ago, he came to SMU and spoke in their Distinguished Lecture Series. And I was able to go there and I actually met him, have a picture made with him. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the whole point of his book, it, it, he was in the Holocaust. He is the only one of his family members who survived the Holocaust. And he spent years after uh, after World War II um, working with Holocaust survivors. And so the point that he makes in one of the points he makes in his book, uh, which has just declared recently one of the 100 most important books ever written, Man's wow. Search for Meeting. But one of the points that he makes is that the people who survived the best, who survived uh, in the most healthy circumstances, survived the Holocaust, were those who had a purpose to live for. And mm-hmm. that, that carried them through their incarceration. It carried them through unimaginable losses in their life, family losses and unimaginable torment and torture. And he gave, I'll just give one quick example. He, he talked about a lady that he met at, after the war. And he noticed a a bracelet on her, a, a, a homemade gold bracelet that was embedded with the several little baby's teeth. And he, he says, very unusual piece. And she said, yes, I'm very proud of it. Uh, there is a baby's tooth from each of my children in the bracelet. And then she added, none of whom survived the Holocaust. Oh, my how do you how, how do you deal with that kind of loss? Well, well, it didn't bring her children back, but what she did after the war is she operated a an orphanage for children mm. who had lost their parents mm. during the Holocaust, and and that that gave meaning to her life, great meaning to her life, and and she and, and meaning to the other people with whom she worked too. So that that example is always just. just Stuck with me very, very, very powerfully. So I, I think it's almost time for me to shut up, Joe. And so uh, I can, I can do that. Oh, that's that's excellent. I, <laughs> I just keep thinking about the. Yeah, well, yeah. Good. We'll just stay on. We won't be on the air, but that's okay. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of talk to know that are that are out of ministry. That are not pastors now. They're retirement age. You know, I'm I'm 75, and it's six months going on 50. I've still got energy and all that. I listen to what Stephanie and Tank say, but, you know, except for the fudge. Yeah. But I, I keep working on. Yeah, I know. But uh, you know, when you opened up with Ron, his first question there, uh, knowing that God has seasons in our lives, you know, we know what to say when we're younger. We know what the Bible says, and we know this. But don't you think as we get older, it becomes so meaningful because sometimes when you can't figure out what do I do? Okay, I know this is what God wants me to do. I had a pastor this last week talking. He's one of the neatest guys in the nation, I think. And he said, you know, what do I do now? I said, you're asking me? I said, I'm in the same I'm trying to figure exactly what. And God's blessed me with these great people here. And we get all kinds of mail on this. But when you can't figure it out and you get honest in your heart and your mind, like you've called us to honesty and who we are, it's great to know that Jesus Christ is there. And when you, you battle, I think you have a battle with Christ more when you get to be 55, 65, and 70 sometimes, not a battle, but just a, a real come on. And then he does it. He shows you. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think to your point, Joe, you know, as we get older, I think uh, ideally our influence uh, spreads. I mean, it grows and it it spreads. And that's when our adversary, again, he's not he's not going anywhere. He is showing up. He wants to destroy me and Ron and Stephanie and Craig and Joe and, and our families. He he wants to destroy our influence. Yes. Uh, and and so I think just because we've lived, uh, you know, 74 years, I just turned 74 this this uh, this year. Uh, yeah. And, and so I and I, I love what I do. I love the counseling that I do. And, uh, you know, my, my wife is a, uh, she's the same age and she's approaching. Uh, she's going to kind of cut back. She's been retired. I mean, she's been working, too, but she's going to retire, uh, Lord willing, in, in the spring. But we always one of the questions she and I ask each other is, you know, we get home at the end of the day. And did you did you hear did you hear the voice of God today? Or did you did you see any burning bushes? Did you hear any messages uh, today? And and you know, and sometimes we do. And so you know, we hear uh, the the burning bush through in the voice of of other people. Uh, I I learn something every day in my counseling office from people that you would not expect to 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 learn something from. But it, but I've got to pay if I'm paying attention. I'm going to learn something. And so that's one of the things I love about what I do as well. Amen. Amen. I told you I was going to shut up, but I didn't do it. <laughs> so now, now I will. A two-hour program. We're working on that. In fact, I'm going to be in Texas this week with the boys down at the station. I spent two days in the airport. <laughs> I never made it. Oh, Whoa. Oh, no. Southwest, two full days, my sister and I in the airport, but uh, we're headed down. My other sister is, is there, and my brother-in-law, I married them in 76. He's a pastor down there, and he does a lot of things in Woodlands. Yeah, I, I think I think you had a lot of good company at uh, Love Field and, and oh, in yeah. the airport. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Stephanie, you know, we just want to put a word out. We, uh, we, we have Stephanie always... Uh, See, all the pastors, they had to ask for money their whole life, and so they don't want to do it. So now they have me do it, and I'm like, okay, I'm a nonprofit. I can do this. So being on here takes money, just like most things. Um, If this blesses you, if you know it's out there to serve others, to share about the Lord, we'd love for you to, you know, maybe skip your tea or your latte and donate it over to the program. Um, You can go to... um, there it is. BBSradio.com forward slash raising expectations. You can learn all about our program, each individual co-host. All the recordings are on there. And there's that little yellow button that says donate. Um, and if you are having a problem with that, you can contact uh, Pastor Joe directly. Mm-hmm. And um, there is no donation too small or too big. We just appreciate what you can do. And it's true. We would like to have the program be longer. And that also takes money. So, you know, help, help us out where you can. Amen. Thanks, folks. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steph. You're the best. <laughs> you guys. Uh, we have... Uh, Where's my clock? Oh, yeah, we, we've got three minutes. Harold, share something with us. Send us out uh, on a high. And boy, we just we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're with us tonight. Thanks. Maybe a thought, final thought to help us all think as the listeners and watchers are in. Um, there is a there is a card that I have in my office. It's a it's a, like a greeting card uh, and it has on it. 
the best non-biblical saying that I've ever heard. Um, now I'm trying to remember who wrote that. <laughs> he was he was a British essayist. Uh, okay, you you can look at you can look up the say. I remember the saying, but I don't remember his name. But this is a it's it's a it's a card that has a beautiful sunset scene, and the saying is go as far as you go as far as you can see, and when you get there, you'll be able to see farther. Amen. And I give I give one of those to everybody who's in my office for the very first time. It is it is a great it's it's a one day at a time. It's a great 12 step reminder. Uh, it, it's it's good. You know, it's like you're driving in a fog and you can see that far in front of your headlights. You mm-hmm. don't stop. You you slow down because you don't want to run off the road. You don't want to run into that vehicle in front of you. But you go as far as you can see. You continue to go, and you take one step at a time. And and I one of the things I thank God for every morning is the guidance, the the light unto my pathway, uh, because it gets gets kind of dark sometimes, and you do have to slow down. You may not want, you may not be able to maintain the speed that you are. But but the promise is, and I believe that's a that's a promise from God. That you go, uh, you go as far, you don't stop, and then the the fog will lift and the light will shine to guide your your pathway, and that's all you got to do is see that next step. You just take that next step, and uh, you know some some good things are going to happen. You're gonna you're gonna get to the destination that he wants you to arrive at. Amen. 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 Address or how can people get a hold of you if they'd like for the counseling center? Well, uh, the 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 email address is dr duncan dr duncan at prestonplacecounseling.com. I think you put it up on on your website. And just in- and thank you for thank you for that. Uh, so. Um, that's that's the best way. My my main office number, I'll, I'll give you this, is is 972-233-9199. But you go go to our, our website is PrestonPlaceCounseling.com. Now if you, you call that that main number, you're going to get a message that says Dr. Duncan's not accepting new clients anymore. But you don't have to pay attention to that. If you want to leave me a message, <laughs> that's for the rank and file. Uh, if you if you want to leave me a message on on that main number, I, I always check my messages. I will pick it up. Uh, but let me say before our time is completely out, thank you so much for the invitation, uh, Pastor Joe, and, and the opportunity to be with you other co-hosts. It's really been a treat for me to uh, to interact with you. I hope I haven't uh, hogged the spotlight too much. Oh, no. you're, you're the guest, not us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, y'all have a have a great thing going here, and and I appreciate the work that you're doing and the the people to whom you are ministering. So, thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. All thank right, you for agreeing. Thanks, Come again. love and appreciate you, brother. And, and and guys, we got the red light, so we're just about to disappear. So, love you guys. So good to see you again, Harold. Great to see you. We'll be in touch. Hope to get thank you. you. God bless you. Tune in next week. Thank you. PBS Radio TV. Thank you so much. God bless you.
Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom, It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.